the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much. Past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 27th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Democrat debate uh, part two tonight. Last night was uh, was interesting uh, in the fact that it was utterly boring. I mean, honestly, it was interesting by being boring. I thought there'd be some fireworks. I thought they'd fight with one another. I thought they'd debate and discuss their differences. And at the very least, if they weren't going to do that, I thought they'd fight with Donald Trump and attack him. They didn't say anything. They didn't do any of the above. If anything, all they did was repeat the typical Democrat talking points. Therefore, uh, free everything, free college, free forgiveness of loans, free drugs, free medical care, uh, free this, free that. And uh, who's going to pay for it? Uh, the 1%. Never mind the fact that if you took every dollar, every dollar from the richest 10% of the people in the United States of America, you would not be able to fund all of the programs that they want to fund. But, yeah, it was just a snooze fest. We'll see if it gets any more interesting with uh, Gaffy Joe. That's uh, Uncle Joe, Crazy Crazy Uncle Joe. I'm going to call him Gaffy. He's Gaffy Joe because he is... uh, Always, you can always count on Joe Biden for a gaffe or two in a public event, as well as uh, Bernie and uh, Socialist Bernie and the rest of them. So we'll see what happens tonight. I want to pivot now, though, and uh, talk about a few social issues, as we do each and every week with our guest, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper is the former president at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is a best-selling author. He is a nationally renowned public speaker and political pundit. Joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper, good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure to talk with you about a host of issues that we kind of uh, ran by one another. So I want to dive right into them so we have time for all of them. And Dr. Piper, you know, uh, guys like me, I've, I've long been saying this on the air, and I know you have too. Uh, let's do it together now. We did it individually, and that is let's talk about science. Um, I take great offense every time 
uh, the left calls people like me who don't fall in lockstep with the the world is going to end, we are going to burn, the planet has a fever, Al Gore style. They say that we are science deniers if we don't believe in climate change. Meanwhile, X chromosomes and Y chromosomes are easily identifiable by science, and they want to pretend that those don't exist, that people are what they think they are in their state of mind or in the, what their, their choice is or what their emotions tell them that they are. Who are the real science deniers, Dr. Piper? I know this was the subject of your piece in the Washington Times on Sunday. Well, indeed it was. I get as exasperated with it as you do, Bob. It's just crazy, and it's the nature of the progressives to take words and turn them upside down and then use those words to express the exact opposite idea of what they were intended to be. And now they've even taken science. They've co-opted it. They've flipped it. And now if you claim to be pro-science, you have to, in the same breath, according to the left, according to the progressives, deny biology and the reality of a female. <laughs> you have to deny that women are real. You have to pretend that women are leprechauns and unicorns, nothing but make-believe and fantasy of a dysphoric male, a biological male who wants to play, pretend, and dress up on a given day. That's one. They deny science. They deny the, the basic data of climate change and global warming. We know that when we look at the data... The, all the alarmist predictions that Al Gore floated some 20 years ago did not come true. I could go through a litany of all of those, but the bottom line is this was bad research on Al Gore's part. They know it, and now some of his proponents are even trying to hide the data so that we can't have a logical, scientific, empirical discussion. If I had tried that in my dissertation defense at Michigan State University, they would have laughed me out of the room. You don't do this if you're pro-science. I could go on and on. How about the science of economics? They deny 100 million people dead at the hands of socialist regimes. They deny the economic reality of socialism and the fact that people die when this particular agenda is imposed upon them. 100 million people have died at the hands of Mao and Pol Pot and Stalin. These people have died as a result of Castro's poor economic models, et cetera, et cetera. So you and I could go on and on and on and say, it doesn't matter whether we are quote-unquote religious. It doesn't matter whether we're quote-unquote Republican or conservative. What we're suggesting is that we should attend to the facts. Isn't that what scientists do? So why do you people continue to focus on your feelings rather than attend to the facts. And when I bring up those facts, all you can do is scream bigot, hater, phobic, and whatever other uh, ad hominem slurs that you can generate in your little mind to try to shut down the debate. They They don't want to have religious freedom, economic freedom, intellectual freedom. Uh, as I said once before on your show, uh, uh, academic freedom was not born at Berkeley. Academic freedom... Freedom of thought and freedom of expression wasn't born there. It was born in a cradle in Bethlehem because without the truths, the boundaries of truths that are only given to us in the Judeo-Christian ethic, you can have no science, you have no facts, you have no truths. You're governed by power and politics and feelings at the end of the day. It's the conservative who is the true uh, uh, guy who elevates science in the debate. It's the progressive who denies it. 
Two things to follow up on that and also then to segue into the next topic. First of all, uh, you're right when you say that science wasn't born in academic science, academic integrity wasn't born at Cal Berkeley. Quite frankly, it's the opposite. It died there. I mean, it has died there and at several other massively progressive indoctrination centers masquerading as colleges, which leads me into number two in the segue. Um, you actually responded to a Candace Owen and retweeted a Candace Owens quote uh, that says conservatives' biggest mistake was handing over the school system to the left. College campuses today are literally leftist indoctrination centers, or camps, rather. And you've talked about this, uh, Dr. Piper, and I want to go a little deeper on it now. It's not just the ones we know that are that way, like UC Berkeley, we have to be worried about the ones that are masquerading, the ones that are hiding as as religiously oriented colleges, whether they be evangelical, evangelical, evangelical or otherwise. Easy for me to say, because there are a number of Catholic-affiliated uh, uh, institutions that are completely defying Catholic doctrine and others and turning into the same leftist indoctrination centers. Yeah, the key story, and this one really has my dander up, Bob, because it comes very close to home. I've been in the academy my entire career. I've worked for state universities. I have three degrees. I'm not trying to boast on that. It's just who I am. This is my. This is in my DNA. Um, two, two of my degrees are from state schools. So I have issues with what some of the state schools have done over the last 20, 30 years, and I've complained about it. They've progressively started to shut down the debate because they don't want to have anybody who disagrees with the secularization of society and the diminishment of the Judeo-Christian ethic that has been the foundation for our freedoms. I know that about the state school, but here's the advantage of going there. At least you know it, because they don't apologize for it, and they don't pretend otherwise. In Mm -hmm. other words, the wolves are wolves, and they dress accordingly. But the problem today is Christian schools are basically being run by wolves in shepherd's clothing. In other words, they act like they're Christian, they pretend to be quote-unquote Christ-centered, but yet they do incredibly unbiblical things. Case in point, story of the week, Kevin Manoia, who is the former president of the National Association of Evangelicals, former bishop of the Free Methodist Church, a church that I grew up in, which is a holiness church, a church that stands for being sanctified and set apart for holiness, obedience, unto the Lord. In other words, you're defined by your Lord, not your libido. Your desires don't define you. Your passion for honoring the Bible and the the declarations of Christ do. That's the holiness movement. That's the movement of John and Charles Wesley, the methods of holy living, thus Methodism. But Kevin Manoia comes out in support of the Assembly Resolution in California authored by Senator Lowe, L-O-W, calling for Christians to be condemned if they counsel people and encourage people and even preach to people about the sin of sexual infidelity, which would include homosexual behavior. Kevin Minoya comes out and condemns that and calls it conversion therapy and says that it's wrong and that it's hateful. Well, excuse me, when did conversion become wrong within the holiness movement? I thought converting away from those things that you don't want to do because you believe the Bible is called upon, is is calling you to stop doing those things, 
conversion, repentance, confession, turning away from those things 180 degrees and going in a different direction. I thought that was part of the heart and soul and core of the gospel, becoming a new creation in Christ and not being satisfied with the old, being born again and not being satisfied, too easily satisfied with the fact that I'm born that way. Kevin Minoya is coming out. One of my former bishops is coming out and embracing this nonsense. That uh, I can see why your dander is up, Doctor Piper, and uh, I share your frustration. That is uh, that is one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with right now is when we lose the support of uh, of people that should be supportive of the uh, the other direction and that they're embracing this sort of thing. Doctor Piper, hold the line if you would, sir. I'm going to get a couple of other quick topics sure. covered with you on the other side of this break. It's ten eighteen. The Bob France Authority back with Doctor Everett Piper after this. All right. FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 1022, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer, with Dr. Everett Piper, best-selling author, uh, nationally renowned speaker and political pundit, and uh, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, which is why we always like discussing matters of higher education and indoctrination with Dr. Piper. Uh, doctor, I want to pivot now. Um, we, we, uh, we've been watching with fascination, or at least I have, and a lot of uh, my audience has, and I presume you have as well, the... Um, hearings in the Congress last week in which they discussed reparations, uh, paying money, uh, taking money from uh, the paychecks by way of taxation of of people who looked like slave owners from 150 years ago and giving it to people who looked like slaves 150 years ago. Never mind the fact that none of the principles involved today were those individuals. Uh, so they've been talking about slave reparations being paid to African Americans, and not too long after that, we started hearing another victims group uh, getting represented by Elizabeth Warren. Senator Elizabeth Warren said, you know what? Not only do we owe reparations to blacks for the sin of slavery, we owe reparations to gay people because we have discriminated against them in the uh, course of American history as well. Uh, specifically, she is suggesting that uh, the uh, marriage tax, uh, the, the uh, excuse me, the uh, tax credit you get for being married when you file jointly was not allowed and available to gay people because they weren't allowed to get married until very recently. So because of that, we owe them reparations for back tax payments that they had to make. Uh, I'm just going to lay that out there for you, Doctor Piper, and let you run with it. Oh, it's just it, where does it stop? Where does this victimization stop? I've said it before on your show, Bob. When you teach victimization over and over again, you don't get virtue. What you do get is vice and vengeance. And what Elizabeth Warren and this reparation agenda is calling for now is basically an agenda of vengeance. I want mine. This is about me. It's selfishness rather than selflessness. It's the division rather than the unity of our country. It's the balkanization of one group against another rather than coming together as e pluribus unum. In other words, we come together as many into one in unity. Uh, here's one way for me to make my point. I used to be the president of a university. I was never the president of a diversity. Why? 
because the educational community, the ideal of the ivory tower is coming together in unity in veritas, the unity of truth. The unity of coming together in the pursuit of one thing rather than the division and the selfishness of each trying to get his own. It's a educational system for virtue. It's not one that historically propped up vengeance and vice and victimization. When you flip the equation, you're going to get this nonsense. Where does it stop? Are we going to give reparations to those people who chose not to get married, who are heterosexuals, but have lived together for 20 years. In my view, a biblical worldview, living together in a manner that is not the best for culture, for society, for their own physical health, for their children's uh, greater community health, I would argue that people should get married rather than live together in an unmarried way. So are we going to start giving reparations to all those heterosexual, unmarried couples who have lived together for 20 years? Where does it stop? Victimization always leads to vengeance. I want mine. You owe me. That's an immature culture, not a mature one. Dr. Piper, very well said, by the way, and and that's why I brought it up in the way that I did, because you're right. I mean, it, it's almost like Elizabeth Warren said, okay, there's a victim's group or, a, you know, a victimized group, blacks, that is, you know, they're getting all the attention. I've got to find my own to stand out. Aha, I'll be the champions for gay reparations. And then, you know, because this is the nature of it, it builds and somebody else will say, here's another victim's group and so on and so forth. Now, my question to you is, because so many of us recognize the obvious absurdity with this, um, do you think that there's an actual chance that any of this gets done, or will the you know uh, the threat of being voted out of office eventually come to the uh, the uh, uh, those who are who are pushing this, like Elizabeth Warren and others? Uh, do you think they will come to their senses when they realize it'll cost them their political careers if they continue with this nonsense? Oh, I, it's hard to say today, Bob, and I've got to be quick here. It's the last comment, probably. Um, did you think? Uh, 10 years ago, that there was a chance that we would have uh, the Supreme Court codify gay marriage. Did you think uh, five years ago that mainstream media like ABC Today or NBC Today and Good Morning Show, I believe that's ABC, would be celebrating the sexualization of nine and 10 year olds who are in drag? Did you think that that would be happening? The answer would be no. All of a sudden, well, that's absurd. And in fact, when conservatives suggested, when I suggested, look, these ideas have consequences, we're going to be going in a very ugly place if we don't argue and defend uh, the traditional biblical worldview in terms of what it means to be married, what it means to be a faithful human being with regard to your sexual obligations. So... I, I, I hate to throw the blanket of sex over this, but it's the same exact thing. Ideas have consequences. I don't know if this will happen or not, but I can tell you this. There's some very absurd and crazy things that are happening that most people with an ounce of common sense said wouldn't happen five, ten years ago. Uh, that's a great point. And, and no, to answer your question directly, no, I wouldn't have thought either of those things uh, or any of those things really that you, that you just listed would, uh, you know, would be coming to to pass. Um, so I guess I can't say that it's not possible that this will happen either. Other than the fact that, you know, even when it comes to the uh, slave reparations, this has been discussed and, and kicked around for 20 or 30 years, and we're still not there. So hopefully that'll be the case with the rest of these, and it will just be a, you know, a passing uh, blip on the radar here that people uh, entertain such ridiculous ideas. But uh, but you're right. Stranger things have happened, and uh, so we certainly cannot rule it out. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper, read his work. If you don't... Uh, 
If you don't subscribe to it uh, online, you should, the Washington Times website, uh, because that's where you see Dr. Piper's work every week. And then, of course, make sure that you get his books, including uh, Not a Daycare, uh, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Dr. Everett Piper, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Good, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Blessings, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Dr. Everett Piper joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to take a break here for news. And on the other side, we're going to pivot again to a very different kind of a story. You hear PTSD, what do you think about? You think about veterans, right? You think about people who have been to war and they have suffered horrible things or they have witnessed horrible things and it uh, haunts them. And that's why we have such an extraordinarily high number of veterans, war veterans, killing themselves. An average, if my memory serves, an average of 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That's well known. What's less well known is the effect that PTSD has on police officers who suffer the same thing. The suicide rate is on the rise for police officers as well because of untreated PTSD. What can be done here in the state of Ohio, for example, to help officers who suffer from this? Gary Wolski, the president of the Fraternal Order of Police in Ohio, is going to be joining us next right here to discuss that on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Busy day today. I told you we were busy with a lot of very important information and topics that we had to discuss. A lot of issues to deal with, and a lot of great guests as well. Thanks again to all of my guests thus far, including Doctor Everett Piper, who just uh, wrapped the last half hour. Uh, very important information, especially about indoctrination centers. We spoke in the first half hour with, uh, or excuse me, first hour with David Arredondo uh, about the uh, Democrat debates last night. And now I want to welcome our next guest. Um, to talk about a very different subject, as I laid out before the news break there, PTSD is killing veterans at an astronomical rate, and it is also leading to the deaths of far too many police officers. Gary Wolski is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police in the state of Ohio. He joins us now to discuss this on AM 1420, The Answer. Gary, good to have you, sir. How are you, my friend? Great. How are you, sir? I'm good. Can I call you Gary still, or is it Mr. President now? Absolutely no, absolutely not. You know <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek. I know you I'm, would never I'm not do about that. titles. I'm not about titles, just getting things done for the members. I know that, and I know that. And you know what? They chose, I will say this, they chose a good president. The members did, uh, and you. I know you're going to do a great job for them, and already are. All right, um, Gary, um, I really thank you for shining a spotlight on this for me um, so that I could bring you on to talk about it and uh, and we could do whatever we can do as citizens of Ohio to try to help here. But for the third straight year, police suicides have outnumbered the number of deaths uh, that have taken place in the line of duty. And in that that's a shocking thing because we all continue to see a rise in the number of police officer deaths in the line of duty due to a variety of things. But to think that they're actually taking their own lives more often than they're having them taken from them is really a shocking thing. Um, I, I wonder how many people really understand the PTSD. They're, that PTSD can affect police officers in much the very same way that it affects veterans that we are very well aware of. Absolutely true. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the, the numbers that you just mentioned are fearfully they're underreported. So the numbers are actually greater than what than what we know that's out there that, that, that are reported. But, you know, the thing I think that most people don't realize is some of the things that police officers and firefighters and, and EMT people, what they see every day is, is unbelievable. And it's not much different than what our, our, our veterans see in wartime. 
And, you know, we're going on calls where people are, you know, what, what the things that people do to each other, you know, you report the news, you know, every sure. day. It, sure. It's just, you know, I, I can't imagine if you were a sex crimes officer in a place like a big city, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, the things that you see during the course of your career, that, what, what that does to you. And, and just, you know, going on, on car accidents and, 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 and suicides, and, and now with the opioid problem, with, with the number of overdose deaths and everything that people are, are seeing, it, it, it's, it's pretty amazing what, you know, first responders see. And unfortunately, the Bureau of Workmen's Compensation, you know, based on a ruling that the Ohio Supreme Court came out with in, in about 2013, decided that in order for a first responder to be eligible for PTSD claims, they have to have an accompanying injury, and that injury has to be what caused the PTSD. So just going on, on, on shootings and, you know, picture walking into Sandy Hook and seeing all those children lying dead, and how do you deal with that? And, and they don't right. cover that type of thing. And, you know, we, we've been working on it for six or seven years now with the help of folks like Tom Patton from our area. He was a senator at the time. He's representative now. Uh, Frank LaRose, our current secretary of state, Edna Brown, state senator. And we've had a lot of folks in our court, and we've always been able to get this, it seems like, through one chamber of the legislature, but never the other. And that just happened to us again this week. The Senate took it out of the workman's comp bill again. They stripped the language out. And we're hoping that during the conference committee that the House folks are able to get it back in there and, and we can get this going. Gary, um, as I ask the next question, I'm going to see if, if it's possible for you to move away from uh, the window wherever those birds are chirping behind you because uh, it's, uh, it's a little distracting, and I want to focus on this subject at hand. I know that I'm hearing the birds, and other people probably are too, so if you can try to move that away. Um, uh, as I ask you this, where are we in this process now? You mentioned the bill, and you mentioned the great support of some of the state legislators that have helped you with it. Um, uh, but where is it? You, you talk about it getting passed by one side or the other. Either the House will pass it or the Senate will pass it, uh, but neither, uh, never will uh, both of them pass it so it can go to the governor's desk to be signed. And have you approached the governor about this? Where is he on, uh, on, on uh, you know, allowing PTSD to be covered by, uh, by workers' comp? I'll work backwards if you don't mind. Yes, sir. Um, we've had conversations with the governor. We're confident that if it hits his desk, he'll sign it. He won't take it out. He, he won't line item out of the out of the budget. It's currently in the Bureau of Workman's Comp budget, which has to be passed by June thirtieth. Okay. When the House did it, the bill numbers HB eighty. When the House uh, did the bill, it was it was put in there by uh, Representative Olslager and it allowed for first responders to not have that accompanying injury that physical injury before they were eligible for benefits from you know Bureau of Workman's Comp. Right. The process is that it goes over to the Senate. The Senate has to, you know, approve, do whatever they do. Well, they stripped the language out. They didn't think that that was the right place for it to be. And I don't know why it's something that had to do with Bureau of Workman's Comp. It wouldn't be in the Bureau of Workman's Comp bill, but that's right. what they did. So, again, like I said, it passed the House. It may not make it through the – I think the, the the entire Senate's voting on, on the bill today, and it, it's been taken out. So unless somebody finds a way to put it back in, it won't be that considered – until conference committee because the two bills are different so both groups have to get together and come to some compromise and and then vote on the bill again so we're hopeful that if we get to the conference committee that we have enough friends there and enough people that understand the gravity of the situation to uh, put it back in there and get it passed 
You know, what are we asking for the What are we asking for the uh, for this bill to cover for workers' comp to cover? Are we talking about psychological uh, therapy? Uh, are we talking about you know uh, medication, prescriptions, or a little whatever it takes to to help uh, officers oh, who are suffering it, from it to deal with PTSD? Is that what we're talking about covering? That's a huge part of it. Plus, it, it's the wage aspect of it. You know, these mm-hmm. officers are going to be off of work. They need to be compensated while they're off work. A lot of guys refuse to seek treatment because they don't want to put their families in a situation where they don't have an income coming in because, you know, they're, they're being treated for PTSD. And, you know, we've had some experts tell us that PTSD, and as you know, with our veterans, it, it's tremendously successful treatment. When they get in early, they get the help that they need. They can go back and finish, you know, continue on the careers that they have. And it's just a matter of, you know, getting these folks to allow these guys to get into the system where they can continue to get, you know, just no different than if a guy tore, tore up his ACL on a call. He's going to be right. paid by workman's comp to continue on until he's healthy enough to go back to work. PTSD, while it's a different, you know, different type of injury, for lack of a better term, is no different. They should be compensated while they're recovering from that illness until they can get back to work. And that's really all we're asking. Is that how how, how do they determine that, if I might? Gary Wolski is our guest, by the way. He's the president of the Ohio FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. Um some will say uh, we can see the ACL tear in the X-ray, and we can see you know the, this this bullet wound or anything else that somebody may have suffered. We get that. We can't see what's in this guy's head. How do we know he's uh, being honest? How do we know his trauma is real? Is there a way, or is there a tool, or is there a psychological eval or something that can be done to prove this so that people don't uh, accuse officers of of trying to game the system to get time off work to, for things that they're not dealing with? No, that, that's a great question, and that's one of the things that we've, we've, we've argued in front of the legislators about. If we're workman's comp for any injury, that torn ACL, they have doctors that determine whether that's the case or not. They certainly have psychological psychologists that can do the same evaluation, the same as our veterans get, to determine whether or not a person's suffering from PTSD. We're not asking just for a guy to be able to walk in and say, hey, I think I got PTSD, give me a year off so I can get better. That's certainly not the case. We're not asking for that. We want these folks to go through the process, the same process they would for any other injury, and, and, and be treated accordingly. I have a lot of confidence in the Bureau of Workman's Comp that they have doctors that are capable of determining PTSD. There, there should be no question in anybody's mind about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's you know a lot of the pushback is you know we hear that well everybody everybody's going to want you know everybody's going to go out on, on PTSD well that's not certainly not the case I think it was in 2012 and 2013 a total of 26 police officers and firefighters retired from the Ohio Police and Fire Pension System due to mental health issues wow that's 26 folks in two years that's 13 a year which is way too many obviously. But it's only 13 people out of the, 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 the tens of thousands of law enforcement officers and, and firefighters and EMTs that are out there. These guys want to work, and gals want to work. They don't want to be sitting home, you know, with a with an illness like this that they can't get better from. They want the treatment. And if they don't get the proper treatment, what, what do they do? They turn to alcohol and, and drugs, which creates, again, huge, huge problems with their family, with everything right. else in their lifestyle. And... It's just about getting the folks that every day, and I, I sent you a link, and I don't know if you'd be able to put it up on your website at some point in time. There's a, a story called uh, The Officer Next Door, and uh, it, it, it's, it's actually, if I could forget what if my, if I could forget what my eyes have seen, it's, and it's on the Officer Next Door website. 
Right. And it just, you know, there's, you know, about 20 things there that, that police officers and firefighters see every day. And it doesn't matter what community you're from. It doesn't matter if you're from, you know, the worst neighborhood in Cleveland or the best neighborhood in, in, in the suburbs of Columbus. You see things every day. There's, there's, you know, terrible, horrific car accident. Just this morning, a, a trooper got hit head on on the wrong side of the freeway on, on I-71 down in Morrow County. Wow. These things I, are, I did not. I did not hear that. I, I did get your link though, Gary, and uh, and I want to interrupt here because we got to wrap. Um, but I and I will share it too. I read it during my news break. The uh, if I could forget what my eyes have seen on the uh, the officer next door side, I will absolutely share that on my social media. And then just real briefly because we got to wrap here. But uh, you, you you have gotten this bill passed in the House. It's stalled in the Senate. So what we can do as citizens here today, Gary, is contact our Ohio senators, uh, Ohio Absolutely. state senators, and tell them we want to get this PTS. And it, 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 does it have a number? Does the bill have a number, or is it a name? It, it's, H, it's HB80. It's the Bureau of Workers' Comp Budget. Okay, HB80 in the Bureau of Workers' Comp Budget. We need to get our senators to sign on to this to cover PTSD treatments for officers who are killing themselves at an even higher rate that they're being killed in the line of duty. It's unacceptable. It's inexcusable. It's something that we absolutely have to act on. So, um, and, and I think I saw on one of your tweets, Gary, you have listed the senators, uh, a link to the senators' contact information, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. The, uh, I- Facebook page that's on your. It's on Facebook too. Okay, right. I, I'm looking. I'm looking at your Twitter feed, and uh, it looks like uh, that's FOP, or I'm sorry, you retweeted the FOP's Twitter feed, which is FOP of Ohio. So follow to, on Twitter FOP of Ohio. You can see that Ohio Senate.gov website, which links to all of the senators. Then you're saying it's also on the FOP website, Ohio FOP, or excuse me, uh, Facebook page as well. Facebook page. Got it. Right. So Twitter and Facebook, you can find it there. Contact your senators and tell them you want police officers and other first responders who have seen horrific things and who are traumatized by them to be able to get the treatment that they need and be able to be paid while they're being treated uh, because it is just as important as it is uh, 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 supporting an officer's uh, uh, family after they've been uh, injured or killed in a line of duty. This is something that's preventable and it should be done. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you shining a light on this. We'll make sure and share those stories. Bob, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Have a a pleasure. Day. Thank you, Gary. That's Gary Wolski. He's the president of the Ohio FOP, and uh, he's looking out for his members, as should we all. 1048, we're right back after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. Final segment of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Let me squeeze in a phone call here from Gary, who's in Olmstead Township. Wanted to have a say. Uh, Gary, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Bob, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and, and uh, put in the legacy of Arab, uh, Arab Islam in Africa. Uh, it's actually a takeoff on a book that was written by John Ellen, uh, John Ellen uh, Bella Azuma, and he is uh, of... Uh, Arabic descent, and uh, he wrote a book called Islam and Slavery. And what he talks about is is all the distortions as it relates to Christian white slavery, which has gone on for 300 years. However, the real crux is, is that, that Islamic slavery has gone on for 1,400 years and still goes on today. Yes, it does. I thought, 
Yeah, and 1,400 years, and nobody talks about that. And it's still going on where you have Vietnamese, a uh, Vietnamese culture, uh, and where they, they literally take these women into slavery as concubines. And then after, if, if they, parents can't pay for, uh, their freedom, then what they're doing, they're sold to, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia for their organs. I mean, it, it, you know, the people out people, there. People, there, there is a misconception, if I may jump in here, Gary, because in the interest of time, there is a misconception that sadly, um, uh, that people believe, especially young people who aren't taught any differently in schools, that slavery is unique to white people in America enslaving black people from Africa. That that's, that's the history of slavery in the world. When the fact is that peoples of all ethnicities, have been enslaved by others at various points in times, including African slave owners owning other Africans, including, uh, uh, as you pointed out, um, uh, uh, Arab and Muslims, and including uh, Asian. I mean, slavery, the Irish were enslaved. I mean, slavery is an institution that goes back to the, the dawn of time, sadly. And truthfully, it is. But people somehow think that this is the only slavery and that this is the one that everybody should focus on and where reparations should come from and so on and so forth. It's not true. There are many books that have been written on this, including the one you just talked about. Michael Medved uh, is a guy who had written a book. Uh, and had, I read a whole chapter about it, about slavery, uh, the history of slavery in the world and how ancestors of slaves today, uh, you know, how many more there are than just the African ancestry that we're hearing about, of course, uh, as we call for reparations now. So it is important to understand that history. Uh, it's also important for me to remind you again, I want to send you off into the rest of your day with Alliance Defending Freedom. I want this on your mind until you pick up the phone and call. You've got to call 800-691-8969. 800-691-8969 with that $100 donation. We need five more $100 donors by the end of this month, and I would like to get that care of today. You did a great job yesterday, and I need to have you back again today. Why? Because we need to help those who are helping us. Freedom in America is under attack. Your freedom is under serious attack. And Alliance Defending Freedom is on the front lines defending against those attacks. For 25 years, they've been fighting. And we have to help them. And when we do, they're able to do this, uh, to take on these, uh, these challenges and these attacks at no charge to those who are being attacked by the government or other entities that quite frankly, uh, you know, have special interests in mind more than they do American liberty, more than they do American freedom. Um, this is uh, Alliance Defending Freedom attorney David Cortman telling us again about how important this is and how much it costs, what the need is. One case can cost from a million to two million dollars. Your typical person who's getting bullied by the government doesn't have the ability to fight back in most instances because who can hire a lawyer and pay them a million dollars or two million dollars to fight against the government? And yet that's what it takes to go through and that's why it's important for people to support the work is because we come alongside everyday citizens who say, you know what, I think the government has gone too far. Here I am trying to run my business, whatever it happens to be. I'm a, I'm a florist, I'm a photographer, I'm a counselor. But now you have the government reaching into that relationship saying, well, not only are we going to get involved here, we're going to tell you what you can and cannot say, and the only thing you can say is what we officially agree with and, and nothing and it, else. And it's borderline, and we're going to tell you what you can and cannot think. That's how dangerous this is, in all seriousness. So we began this partnership, this goal this month, needing 45 people to donate $100 each. We have 40 of them. 
I cannot tell you how happy I am, how proud I am of this listening audience, this the charity, uh, the understanding of the importance of this, your willingness to step up on behalf of others whose freedom is being attacked, especially the religious liberty. I'm so proud of this audience, of you, for, for, for doing this. So we've got 40 out of 45 down. We need five more $100 donors to get this thing taken care of. Can you be one of those five today? Please call 800-691-8969 with your $100 donation today. You can help get this done so that we can help Alliance Defending Freedom continue to protect our freedoms. You don't know when they're coming for you. You heard about the cases in Colorado, Washington State, and all over the other places, and then you find, well, you know, that, that's, that doesn't affect me, and then suddenly, hey, look at there, South Euclid. The city of South Euclid, the government there, is attacking the Lyceum and trying to force them to violate their religious principles as they teach that Catholic classical education. Suddenly it's in your backyard. You don't know when it's coming to your kid's school, where your kids are going to be subjected to things that they should not be because of the uh, special agendas of, of certain victims' groups or perceived victims' groups. You don't know when they're coming for you. You want ADF to be there for you when they do. So please call that number, 800-691-8969, or excuse me, let me do it again, I messed that up, 800-691-8969, or if you don't want to remember the phone number, you can remember our website, whkradio.com, click on the Alliance Defending Freedom banner at the top of the page, it'll go right to the Freedom Fund donation page. Click the $100 button, put your information in, and know that you are defending religious freedom in the United States with that. Help us. We've got 40 people down. We've got five more to go. I need you to be one of those five. Please call that number or get on the webpage today. That's all the time that I do have because Mike Gallagher is waiting in the wings, and you don't keep Mike Gallagher waiting. And then he's going to give it off to Prager, and then you're going to have Dr. G, and then you're going to have Jay Sekulow, and then you're going to have the sage of South Central, Dr. Or, uh, Larry Elder. So make sure you listen all day and all night, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.